podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by John Paul Mason. And it seems like only five minutes ago that I was chewing the fat with you about the poor Abada decision last night because you and I were indeed not at the game last night. JP, we were at the Usher Hall in Edinburgh. Aye, I mean, sometimes you have to do other things and aye, that's two Celtic games this week I've missed, so... I'm sure there'll be plenty of people calling me a part-time supporter, um, but sometimes you can't do everything. And was it? I was working a gig on Saturday in Edinburgh, so I resorted to watching it on my phone. And uh, last night I couldn't even do that because uh, there, I did find out though uh, about maybe ten minutes before doors at the gig that Celtic were doing a pay-per-view thing. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I didn't. I didn't get my act together because. The phone that I was using is obviously the same device that I used to sell the merchandise at the gig that I was doing. Uh, uh-huh. So I can't exactly sit and watch a game whilst selling merch. So, but apparently it was like twelve ninety nine, and you could get it pay per view, even if you were in the UK. I think but, that's a good a good move. I did see an advert maybe for the St Johnston game, uh-huh. so I think it's a good move because I mean the game officially uh, was a sellout last night. Obviously, you see that not everybody can make it for various reasons. And um, I'm in Usher Hall uh, going to see one of my favourite bands, uh, Mogwai. And I go up to the merchandise stall and there you are with the earphones and listening to the game. And I could see the green and white hoops <laughs> underneath your jacket and just at the top. And I just thought, there he is, representing. Absolutely superb. It's a bit of a superstition when... I'm not at a, well when I am at a game I wear a home top when I'm at a away game I wear a away top when I'm not at a game and Celtic are playing I wear a home top if it's if we're at home and vice versa away Love but it. I feel I feel bad though because I think I cursed us for the St Mirren game because I wore um you did. I did not but I didn't wear that grey top um that day I wore I think I wore a home top that day and I think I I I put a hex on us that day by not by not sticking to the 
I mean, it's nonsense, but I, I didn't. I think it did that. I'm pretty superstitious. I don't think it is nonsense. Um, but to be fair, when you mentioned uh, the top you were wearing and you mentioned St Mirren, I thought you were talking about the jersey we wore that day because you you have worn it on the show before. And Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I wore it when I was over. I think I was over in Spain. It was, it was when I was over for my mate's wedding in Seville. And I, on the way there, I had that grey top with the luminous. And I wore it while we were playing... Shakhtar away and we got the draw but then on the way back I wore a home top and we were playing away and we got beat to nil so I, I, I take my share of the blame for that Superstition um, I mean last night there was nothing about superstition we'll get into the action uh, all around last night I've just got to say though I was pretty gutted that I wasn't there to see in person or hear rather in person um, the song getting played, the charity single, oh, yeah. the, the Glory in the Dream. And, you know, you've played a part in this, JP, because uh, Paul Sheridan is someone that you have known for many, many years. I didn't know Paul. Um, he's been introduced both by yourself and Lawrence Conley. And Paul's band, The Wakes, have obviously re-recorded his song. There's a great story behind it. Um, and last night they played it over the tannoy at Celtic Park. What a proud, proud moment. Um, and hopefully they're going to be playing it again this Saturday before the game against St Johnston so it was tremendous to hear that and if anybody was at the game who heard it uh, let me know what you think um, it's quite incredible as well JP that there's certain elements of that song for example the backing vocals Carly couldn't make it along to the recording studio um, so we brought her in here into this studio and we got her just to sing into that mic so the backing vocals that you heard over the big tannoy at Celtic Park we actually just recorded them in here and then we got the producer to uh, layer them into the song. But you would never have known, obviously. It's one of the highlights of the tune. What number is it currently at? I've not checked today. Um, the high point so far was 16. And then it dropped down the charts for various reasons. It's uh, It's been a sad day for music, uh, a sad week for music, JP. Mm. So loads of other songs were entering the charts. Um, and we ended up um, dropping out of the top 40. We were at one point in the top, uh, we were number one in the rock chart on iTunes. Mm. And we just hope as the week develops and uh, various other people get behind it that it can climb up. The ambition at the beginning of the week was to creep into the top 40. We wanted it to be in the top 40 by Sunday. Let's see what happens. If you fancy downloading it and supporting St Mary's, then the download link is underneath this video. We will play it at some point during the show as well, because that has now become a tradition on a Celtic state of mind. It was tremendous to hear it uh, being played over the channel. Loads to discuss JP, and even though you weren't able to watch the action live, and since then you've been extremely busy setting up the band's gig for tonight at the Barrowlands. Um, there's various things we can discuss about last night. Let me know what you think in the comments field. Wasn't what you would describe as a vintage performance, but I don't think we've been getting vintage performances, or is it more to do with the fact that we're not turning the opportunities into goals? I'm going to start off with Tony Ralston. Tony Ralston last night, right? So um, we'll come to Ange, but he was talking about the amount of times we were zipping balls into the box, JP, and we're just not converting it. And it's not been a feature of just last night's game. I think it's been a feature of, you know, we beat Aberdeen 1-0, uh, we get two last-minute goals to beat Dundee United 4-2, we beat Motherwell 2-1, Ross County 2-1. Things have been pretty tight, and when you look at the possession and you look at the chances created, 
They shouldn't be tight. And that's begin, beginning to be a, a frustration. And I think Ange kind of touched on it last night as well. But I want to talk about Ralston and the importance of Tony Ralston. Even though we have three right-backs at the club at the moment, only one's available to play. And he got injured last night. Um, he had two very good chances at goal. He was involved in both goals. I, I often think he's more of a direct player. He was kind of like old-fashioned. He likes to hit the line and get the ball in. JP... Um, and it might be a forced change because he was injured last night. But um, just how important has he become once again um, through circumstances beyond any of our control? Well, particularly this month and the, ne- the next run of games, because, well, I don't know if Juranovic, do you know, does anyone know when Juranovic is due back? <laughs> like, how long did he get off? I, I, think, I think they said they gave every player a week off after the right. World Cup. So that would mean right. that. You would expect them to be back maybe Monday. Mm. Well, wait a minute. No, Monday's Boxing Day, isn't it? I don't so know. Maybe, what maybe back for the uh, the Hibs game, maybe. Potentially, yeah. So he could come back and get into that. But then we've got the game at the weekend. I would be keen to know from anybody that was at the game or watched the game how Taylor did when he got moved over. Because that is that what happened last night. Taylor got moved yeah. over yeah. right back from Burnaby. Came on, well, listening to. Uh, Stephen and Melly's recap on 20 Minute Tims, they said that Burnaby was not good <laughs> last night. Uh, but then a number of players I don't think were good, but Burnaby didn't do, really do himself any favours last night. But I'd be interested to know how Taylor did on the right, because I don't think, has he ever played there before? No, it's a good, you know, this is the issue, JP, because I remember um, the the game against Rangers, the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, and there was, in, in extra time, there was a scenario where it was a real makeshift defence and when you're playing players out of position, it doesn't really do them any favours. And we were in a situation for a spell where Ralston was playing left-back and Welsh was playing right-back. And I know he has played there at kind of like youth level for Celtic, um, but it, the whole balance was wrong. And I think the issue last night... Um, before even looking at the specific players, I just think the balance was wrong, JP. Now, mm-hmm. I would rather play a full-back, like Sharanovic switched to left-back last season, I would rather play a full-back on the side that is not his preferred side than mm-hmm. play a centre-half at right or left-back. Because full-back, it's not a specialist position in terms of a goalkeeper is really the only specialist position. But I just think if you can play left-back, you know how to play right-back. Um, but to how great effect... So you've got Burnaby playing in his natural position. The question probably is: Have you have you been that impressed with him? I know that he's you know dribs and drabs in terms of his performances, and I know there's a few people in the comment section who are not convinced with his defensive qualities. But that's why he came to the club, you know, to push Taylor for a jersey, and obviously he might get an opportunity that we'll talk about. I think a lot of Greg Taylor's um, offensive play has been on the right-hand side. You do see him switching over to the right-hand side a hell of a lot. So I think he might be comfortable there. JP, I'd maybe be more concerned with our left-back now if mm. that is going to be the case. Um, but you, it's, think, you think we were, we were covered we were covered well in all areas, but as soon as somebody drops, yep. you suddenly go, wait, this is not as good a situation as maybe we thought it was. So, mm-hmm. um, But, but Ralph, I don't know how serious Ralston's injury is if he's going to make the weekend. Or not, because I don't know how bad his injury was. There was a number of things, because I, I read Angie's 
uh, post-match thing where he said oh, he's been in the wars tonight. He's yeah, this he's had that, and then he's back. He's done. He's his back's in pain or something. So right. I mean that that's a lot of a lot of problems for one player. So you would maybe think that he would probably need to be rested at the weekend. Potentially. Potentially, JP, because he went down in the first half and it was his left ankle that he was holding. And he looked a, a wee bit ropey, but then he was right into the action. And actually, we'll get to the goals in that, but when Livingston scored, um, and by the way, I'm not blaming Ralston because I'm going to talk about the, the play leading up to the goal, but Ralston was probably still feeling a bit um, the effects from the, the left ankle injury that he had mm. obtained. Um, you wouldn't know that in the, the lead-up to Celtic's second goal. Um, but it just as though, you know, the, the ball, it doesn't quite trundle over the line, JP, but Ralston's just, I don't think he's he's got the pace to, to mm. uh, retrieve it. Whereas had he not had the knock by that stage, who knows? He then gets a second knock. So I, I know what Andrew's meaning. But it's just interesting that the forgotten man, Tony Ralston, when Ange Postacoglu came in, became one of the most important players because he was the only right-back for a spell. And mm. now, even though we've got three right-backs at the club, and Ange pointed this out last night, you know, a, a, an injury to, Ange, um, to Tony Ralston becomes an issue. And mm. I think that that will come into the conversation when we start talking about the centre-forward position. Because all it takes is a scenario like last year, Boxing Day, St Johnston, Kyogo goes off, Yakimakis is already injured, Joey Dawson comes on and we don't really want to be in that position at this stage of the season um, but you know this again is an issue who is your your 19 year old right back that, that, that you know if there was an issue you bring in from the from the B team who is that player yeah, is I mean, he ready it doesn't seem that there's any obvious maybe someday will come to the fore that we've not heard of that maybe get we'll maybe get entrusted with the position but it does seem unlikely that somebody would just get brought in cold from from mm-hmm. the B team. There doesn't seem to be a lot of... I mean, I've seen names being mentioned from the B team and there was a couple of uh, guys that I saw when I went to that B team game in January last year, I think it was. There was a guy called uh, Brooks. He was a midfielder, I think. Um, and obviously you've got Boston Lawal. He's, he's been linked with moves mm-hmm. away in January, yeah. permanent or loan, I don't know. But I... Uh, You'd like to think that we've got people in the wings ready to come in and take a place because it looks like we're going to need it. I mean, Alistair Johnson isn't going to be available straight away. I mean, is he going to come into contention for the game on the 2nd of January? Who knows? Um, I would expect... And the whole, the whole question marks over Juranovic as well. If Juran, like, like As we've always said, if, if his head's at the door, do you entrust him with a position in the, in the team? When remember we played last season, we played Edward and Christie in the game against Rangers, and and people questioned whether or not they were fully in, involved in that game. You know, Edward misses that chance. Uh, it's strange to think that Edward actually played in a Rangers game under Postecoglou because it doesn't feel like he did. And well, to all intents and purposes, he didn't because he didn't contribute anything, and we got beat. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know about giving a place to somebody like Juranovic if. If there's a move imminent, and it seems to be the case, then that's you two right backs down. So you're Ralston potentially potentially injured, depending on how he recovers, and Juranovic head's not right. Johnson's just in the door. 
Does he just get swung in? <laughs> and you've got you've got the Rangers exactly the Rangers game, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a wee bit, but you've got to plan like that. I mean, I'm looking at the squad there. Um, we had a good discussion, uh, John Hughes, Paddy Sinnott, and myself on Wednesday. Just yesterday, we had a good chat about the fact that you know there's interest in Lawal, like you say. Um, there's been interest also in uh, young Ewan Otu, who had uh, had a really good loan spell at Clyde last season. And I only know that because of the Clyde boys that used to be on the channel. You know, they were raving about him. He was a standout. He can play in the centre or at left back. Um, and there's interest also in Stephen Welsh. So th- that brings Stephen Welsh into the conversation. What I would do, because Welsh is a centre half who also plays right back. And, you know, that's his two positions. Um, I would play him in a position that he is more natural playing in rather than playing. Greg Taylor out of position. Now, I'm contradicting myself a wee bit because last season I was going on about Juranovic playing left-back mm-hmm. and I, I felt that was fine with Ralston at right-back at that particular time. Now, Taylor's such an important player to us uh, that I would much rather he was playing at left-back and being as effective as he possibly could be. Stephen Welsh at right-back, not ideal, but he can play there. Um, and I would much rather a player playing in his position. And like the boys you were mentioning earlier for 20-minute Tims, I'm not convinced... So far, I'm not writing them off, but I'm not convinced yet with Burnaby. So I would, I would rather take that. But Welsh has dropped right out of the squad in recent weeks as well, JP. Well, he's, he's, he's been named as being an injured. Party injured also. Uh, well, so, uh, they, they, when they asked him in the press conference, the two players he mentioned that were out were McCarthy and Welshy, as he called them. He is. Um, he's out. Uh, he's well, actually. No, obviously, if that's what he said, he's he's been not in the squad. He's not listed as injured um, on this reference site. But if he's injured, then you do have an issue. Then you play guys out of position, mm-hmm. and that's no ideal. I mean, the only consolation we can take is that at least we've got a home game at the weekend, and we're not yeah. away to well Dingwall on a Friday night or something like that. That that you know, putting players into the wrong position in a game like that is testing. I would say. Um, so, not that I'm saying we take Johnston lightly. I mean, every game at the moment is... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's littered with a bit of a banana skin because, I don't know, I, I, I just don't think we're playing as well as we have done and therefore teams maybe think they can get... I mean, Livingston probably thought they were in with a chance at 2-1 down in that second half. And yeah. when I first logged on, uh, just as Mogwai were going on stage, uh, obviously the, the merch quietened down at that point. So I was like, right, sports sound. This is my, my only way. So it was like 90s patter listening to it. But when I, when I clicked up and I saw the score was 2-1 and there was like 25 minutes left or whatever, I, th- I thought, this is this is a tightrope. <laughs> ten- it really is tense. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've walked that tightrope, JP, against Aberdeen. Um, you know, that was a game that Kevin McCluskey and I covered live. We, we did the watch along because it was part of the charity weekender. And when you look at the statistics of the game, the, the, the basic stats of the game, uh, possession 81% in our favour, shots at goal 33, JP. Only 10 on target and, you know, seven corners against zero. 
Uh, so it's absolute domination. But the frustration grows and the anxiety grows certainly uh, from the Celtic perspective. And on the other side, as you were saying there at 2-1 down last night, the confidence grows in the opposition or with Aberdeen thinking maybe at that point their game plan has worked. The confidence grows and then it gets really, really stuffy and then the performances, I feel, suffer as a result of that. So I'm going to have a look uh, similarly at the um, the stats from last night's game because they're kind of similar. It's, it's all Celtic. It's constant Celtic pressure. Um, yet, you know, we don't really get do we get what we deserve? Well, what Ange was talking about last night is we're just simply not converting it. Even if you just look at the, the law of averages, you have 33 chances, JP, you would expect to score more than one goal. Now, I think there's a few different reasons for that. Um, the first one, and we'll get to this, is the nature of the man who's playing up top. But Ange was quite keen last night to take the onus away from that and talk more about players getting into the right position. So he wasn't focusing on Kyogo. He was just saying the players, we do it all week, the players aren't getting into positions because the balls were coming across, left and right, they were coming across all night and we weren't getting into the positions. Now, as I said there, Livingston, uh, Aberdeen, Dundee United, Motherwell, Ross County, all of those games were tight. We needed two last-minute goals against Dundee United and I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't continue like that for the rest of the season because then the title race is going to be tighter than we would like. Um, what do we do to, to change that? Andrew's already talking about making changes. Is it as simple as bringing in different personnel? No, from the way he was talking last night and the little bits and bobs that I've heard, he's definitely going to ring the changes for the for the weekend. I don't know what that will mean, whether it's Haksabanovic coming in or... Uh, maybe maybe Jackamacus starting, but then so many people were going on about Jackamacus last night, saying, "Oh, he has to start. He needs more game time. It's terrible the way we're treating him, and as if he's some sort of outcast." But then he came on last night, and by all by all accounts, he didn't play that well. And Kyogo is the guy that's got you what ultimately is the winning goal. Yeah, and might might not have got a hat trick. He might not have hit the heights that we all know that he can hit, but. It was a well-taken goal and ultimately it was a goal that sealed the three points. Mm-hmm. So you can only really say that the guy, striker does job and in, in, in shock headline, striker does job, scores winning goal, but it seems to be not enough for some people. And uh, I, I would persist with Kyogo on Saturday. I don't think we should drop him. I think he scored the goal, he's done his job, play him in the next game and see what he does on Saturday. Well, there could be changes for changes' sake, JP. And I actually, you know, this is the interesting one because I had a chat last night just before the game with Lawrence. We disagreed because um, I was looking at how a player can grow frustrated. And uh, when you're Yakamakis and you're getting, like last night, he gets eight minutes. And I was running through, you know, the fact that... Is that what he got last night? I didn't know that. I didn't so know that. he gets eight minutes last night, JP. He's played 90 minutes on four occasions this season. So all season, he's only completed four games. And then when you look at the participation that he's had in many of the games where he's come on, it's 10 minutes, it's 20 minutes. Now, uh, he's 28 years of age, he's he's a fully formed footballer that he's going to be. And if he's not playing games, my suggestion is that a frustration could creep in. Um, Now, we all become body language experts as we did in the season when we were going for 10 in a row and we're looking at the sidelines and saying this one's no interest he, he doesn't get on with him and we all knew exactly what was going on from afar um, and I'm not really reading too much into Yakimakis' 
body language. Um, I'm just looking at his performances. And what I would say is, has he done enough to start the game? So you've got two two things to look at. You've got Kyogo, who, yeah, he's missed a few chances, scores a winning goal last night. But Jakimakis really done enough to start a game on Saturday? I wouldn't have said so, but maybe, maybe it is the case that he's, in a way, thrown his toys out of the pram. And this is Ange Postecoglou laying down the law and sort of using him only on, on, a, on a sort of needs-must basis, giving him minutes just to give other players a rest. Mm-hmm. And maybe all this paper talk about him wanting away is actually true and he wants to start every week. And this is the sort of softly, softly approach of letting everybody know that, that he is actually going to go and probably yeah. will go in January. Because not, he's not come out and said anything in the press or anything. He's not... I think Postacoglu has managed to protect, uh, protect, would you say protect the players? Not protect the players, but created an environment whereby that's not acceptable. I don't think, you know, that would fly in his in his world. Mm-hmm. So I think the way that it's got, the way it's going to come about is that there may be his frustration there, and and that's that's how it's playing out, and that's what we are seeing as 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 a supporter. We're seeing him being used sparingly because he's probably already indicated that he wants away. And Postecoglou said many times, as far as I'm concerned, everyone that's here is 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 on call to play, and he, he gives that impression to the press and to the support. But privately, there'll be different things going on. Oh, you know, Juranovic sure. has asked for it. He's never said Juranovic has asked for a move away. He's always said, you know, he's our player, blah, blah, blah. But the noises you hear inside and outside the club is that Juranovic has asked for a move away and as soon as January. So, and that's why he's getting linked with likes of Barcelona and Atletico Madrid and everything else. Like, those stories don't just come out of nowhere, I don't think. There's too, there's too much about that to make you think that there's there's not there's nothing in it. So it probably probably the same with Jackie Marcus as well, that, that he's maybe has grown frustrated, realised that if he's ever going to get a big move, this is the time. He's twenty he's twenty eight. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. And I've said before, I, I don't really have a massive issue with him or anybody at that age going because we'll get optimum money, you'd like to think but a guy under contract would get somewhere in the region of eight to ten million for him, which is which is a profit on what we paid. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's, he's not going to go for crazy money, but I think I definitely think we could potentially treble or quadruple our money for him, given the evidence um, of what he's what he's what he's showed while he's been it's, here. Yeah, his data speaks yeah. speaks for itself. I mean, it's all about data now, isn't it? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's how, that's how you sort absolutely, of, JP. That's why Welsh. Way. It's got interest from all over the place. I mean, how mm-hmm. often is Toulouse or or Udinese come and actually physically watch Stephen Welsh playing a game of football? Mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be surprised if they have done. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're they're studying data, and they'll be presented with a shortlist of players that fit their criteria. Stephen mm-hmm. Welsh scores really highly in a lot of the the metrics, and mm-hmm. he and he's coming to the fore. And and it would appear that a lot of Scottish players are because there there seems to be this this group of Scottish players at the moment going over to Italy, for example. Mm. Um, you know, and it's not only down to data, it's not only down to scouting, but for sure Stephen Welsh is 
obviously quite high in, in the in the metric data. So when when we look at um some of the suggestions that we're making, we're looking at a scenario, JP, and it's and it's okay to say this is what I can see and this is my opinion. I opine that Yakimakis may be looking for a move. The thing with uh, Juranovic, which I find quite interesting, is that um, the way that agents or players get the message out is, is quite simple because they can they can feed certain people stories. And the certain people they're feeding the stories to um, are regarded as credible sources. So, for example, when Fabrizio Romano puts something out on Twitter, everybody loses their minds, right? But, he's I mean, he's just not come up with that. He's been fed information. He's got sources all over the place. And it was interesting at the beginning of the season that Romano was all over the Juranovic um, speculation. And I think Celtic have actually played a blinder here. So even if JP, as the suggestion has been made, even if Juranovic wanted away at the beginning of the season, right? Maybe, let's just say that was the scenario. And um, it then it drops and... Various sources, one being Fabrizio Romano, say that oh, Juranovic um, is uh, you know gathering interest. I think it was Atletico Madrid and Chelsea initially. We've now heard Manchester United and Barcelona being uh, linked. I think Celtic have played a blinder, so we've kept you know a first a first choice player for our Champions League campaign, which didn't work out the way we wanted it. But we kept the strongest team available. JP, we never sold anyone. We can't say that, and we've maximised his value by making sure we still had them during the World Cup. Then the January transfer window opens. And I, I, honestly, I think Celtic have played a blinder on this one. Well, Fabrizio Romano will be the first person to like bring back that tweet <laughs> when when the move inevitably does happen. They'll be like, as stated earlier this season, and, you know, I love the... Because he, he was quite cute with his tweet. He didn't say that it was imminent or anything like that. He just said... Serious interest in Celtics, Josip Juranovic. Uh, expect a move to transpire. Uh, nothing concrete, or I can't remember the exact detail, but it was it was all it was it was hinting that something was that there was interest, and that's mm-hmm. all he said. Mm-hmm. So when it does happen, you'll be able to go back and be like, "Mind, I said that." Yeah, <laughs> like four or five months ago. I know, I know. I, I bet he doesn't go back. In fact, he probably does go back and delete the ones that he got horribly wrong. Um, there's a few people do that, in fact. And there's a few good suggestions I'm going to bring into the into play. And it's interesting how the modern game, sometimes we look at it, JP, and we think that it's unrecognisable from the, the, the game back in the day. But the more they change, a lot of the things stay the same. I, I've, I've spoken to players back in the 70s who didn't have agents. And if they wanted a move, right, the, the one that I'm going to um, tell you about, Andy Lynch, obviously, I spent a lot of time with Andy, captain of Celtic, scored in the 1977 Scottish Cup final against Rangers, part of the 10 men winning the league team. Um, great career, brilliant career. And I think back to what he was telling me. So nobody had agents back then. Um, I don't even think Dalgleish had an agent, right? And what they could do is they, he they had... didn't have an agent. As far as I know, his father-in-law kind of helped him with, right. with deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what then happened was, if you wanted to get the word out, JP, that you were unhappy or you wanted to move to England or something like that, you would meet a journalist that you'd maybe built a, you know, a rapport up with over a period of time. You'd meet him in a boozer somewhere in Glasgow for a pint. You'd give him the story. And then it would break the following morning. Um, but for his move to Celtic from Hearts, there had been interest from Spurs 
for example. And Andy fancied a move down to England and there'd been interest from Spurs. Hearts had played Spurs in a, a long-gone tournament called the Texaco Cup. And <coughs> Andy, had, Andy had played really well in this game against Tottenham. And they were they were interested in signing him. At that point, he was a left winger. Um, and then various different things happened and he was in and out of favour and he'd fallen out uh, with people uh, you know, in the highest kind of positions at the club and stuff. And the Celtic interest, which had come come to the fore during the Spurs interest, had died down a bit. And he was like, no, nah, fancy I moved to Celtic. So what he did, he was travelling through to Edinburgh to obviously train on a daily basis. And there was a wee guy that used to sell the newspapers at the train station called Jimmy Flax, who was a pal of Jock Steen's. True story. So he, he spoke to Jimmy, he goes, I put the word into Steen. And then a few days later, Flax says, I expect, expect movement next week, Andy. Next thing you know, Andy signs for Celtic. That, that's how it used to be. Like, no, I'm not saying people are going into Glasgow Central and speaking to newspaper salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> but the equivalent of that is an agent contacting a source. The source put mm. out there becomes a story. Um, and again, I don't think that harms Celtic if we're willing to sell a player because it gathers a wee bit more interest, doesn't it? Other clubs have now been mentioned in the race for uh, Juranovic. But in the meantime, I'm more concerned about who plays right back for Celtic on Saturday against St Johnston. Mm. And I'm really keen to bring in some of these comments. Um we're asking the question, and hinted last night there's going to be uh, changes. Uh, we've asked you what changes you would actually make. Celtic follower, welcome to the show. What is in that mug? Is that a Celtic mug in? What is in it? Let us know. I've been wondering. Um, must admit, I wasn't impressed with Jota last night, and Hatati and O'Reilly have looked a bit off. So I'd bring in Maeda for Jota, Turnbull for Hatati, and Haksabanovic for O'Reilly. Maybe switch QO for Gio. It does show that there are options to be had. Uh, and often, though, JP, I, I get a bit concerned when full-scale changes are made. Were you getting that vibe from what Anne said last night, or you just expect maybe two or three changes? I think he's learned his lesson on the, the whole-scale changes from, uh, what was the game? What well, was the St. Mirren game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. St. Mirren game where it was, what, six? Six changes or something like that? I, th- I think that's a bit extreme. It's a balance, isn't it? It's really just the balance and the blend of players. It just well, I, think, I think he was saying the other day about, and the, and it was something that a lot of people, mainly the obvious uh, support, picked up on wrongly when he was talking about the different challenges and if I like, why did why can people not differentiate between us and Rangers? Mm-hmm. It's just like oh, it's, you're playing Celtic or Rangers, and it's the same thing's going to happen every time. And he said. Well, it's a different challenge in every game we play against teams. So last night was a, set, a specific challenge against Livingston. Saturday against St Johnston, the game might flow differently for the likes of Hatati and O'Reilly mm-hmm. and Jota. You know, the, it might just be a different occasion and a different... Uh, they'll, they'll feel better about themselves on Saturday or feel they have got a point to prove after criticism the manager might see it in training and see a determination in them that they want to put right what was what was wrong last night if they didn't play that well. So I think it'll be about what happens between today and Saturday as to, as to who he decides to switch out. But I, I can't see him making that many changes, surely. I just think that's a bit too disruptive and a bit too, uh, a bit too manic to, to just change that all up as much as that, I think. Especially when you're talk, talking there about guys that are nailed on first team players, Jota is is the first choice pick in that position. O'Reilly the same, Atati the same, 
And we've seen with Atati, he can have not great games and then the next game he'll have an absolute worldie. Mm-hmm. So. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I, I like, I like he said. I think every game is different, and you can't. Uh, what's the the phrase? Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is that is that right? Exactly. Yeah, that that's <laughs> exactly it. You did, mate. <laughs> no, but if you get it wrong, it's fine because uh, you know Kev Graham and myself. I've got to say, normally put two things together and come out with God knows what. But yeah, mm. you got that spot on. But it's it's like a midfield. If you if you throw player three players in who haven't actually got that blend and that dynamic, I think it spells danger. I really do. And um, also, though, it wouldn't surprise me if I just said that for a reaction from some players. Mm. Oh yeah, you know. Definitely, so players yeah. will be waking up today, going. Right, am I one of the ones that he's maybe thinking about dropping here? And then there's maybe a an increased intensity between now and, and preparations for the St. Johnson game. And managers do that, don't they? they? They are able to manage and motivate in different ways sometimes. Very un- unusual for, for Ange to, to come out and say something like that. But maybe that's what's required. Barry McCormack, another three points in the scoreboard and the champions move on. After a commanding performance, the team and fans seemed to get spooked when Livy pulled a goal back. I do want to focus on the goals, and, and that includes the Livingston goal, um, for sure, because I think that um, when you look at the... We'll, we'll go with the Livy one, seeing how it's been brought up here by Barry. When you look back on the Livingston goal, it was very scrappy. We'd, we've just gone 2-1 ahead, JP, and you think, right, get to half-time, and the complexion of the game might have been completely different. But what actually happened was Livingston put us under a wee bit of pressure after they kick off. And it's a bit scrappy, right? But there's a moment where um, Greg Taylor clears the ball. And it's a bit of a hit and a hope, right? So it just cleared high into the air. But from that moment, because I don't I don't criticise what Taylor's done there. He's just getting out the, out the area. F- from that moment, three times we lose battles. The first one's Kyogo. And if you watch it back... This is an old saying, but you could get a Rizla paper under his football boots, right? He doesn't even make an effort to get... And I know Obelaye is, is a big, imposing presence, but Kyogo misses the first header, right? And that's where the problem starts. But by the time the ball gets through to Devlin, who scores a goal, um, O'Reilly loses out on a header. Starfelt loses out on a header. And the guy who's cleared the ball, Taylor, fails to stop the, 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 the issue as well. The danger. So it's a collective, right? So it's easy to say it's a scrappy goal and it's a soft goal, and it is. But if any of those four players wins their individual duel, wins their individual battle, that goal's not scored. We get to half time and that's fine. And I think that's what it comes down to. Just that wee bit of complacency, JP. Um, Did it spook them? I've seen various performances. For example, Dundee United. I felt that the penalty 
kind of spooked us um, as a team and it took us to the very end of the game for us to regain that composure and, and win the game. Uh, we've done enough to win last night but that did concern me a wee bit because it was, you know, you just win that battle and Livingston don't score before half-time. Was it not? I read or heard someone say, I can't remember where, in recent times that they're not usually there's like an average of three mistakes that lead to a goal. So right. like, like you, you said... There's three things that happened there, or even more, that led to the opportunity. So if if three people are falling down in their in their in their role and they don't carry it out, then the, the likelihood of a goal coming from it is going to be more because mm-hmm. there's it's not just one mistake. It's not just someone slipping, like a certain Liverpudley midfielder did once. Uh, but if, if there's a collective of three mistakes, it's an average of three mistakes that will lead to a goal. There you go. Yeah. Yes, the, the stats boffins will have a a better grasp on that than I. Um, I still don't understand a lot of that stuff. But I, that makes know, sense. I, I, it makes a, it makes it makes a uh, it's it's a, it's a contributing factor. Totally, and I, I guess that the higher up you go in terms of the standard they play, if you go to the Champions League, one mistake can spell danger. But in a game against Livingston, you're not going to get too many individual moments of brilliance from the opposition, right? No disrespect, that's just the way it is. So if you make one mistake, I'm not expecting one of their players to pick it up 35 yards out and either strike the ball in the back of the net mm. or go on a maze or whatever. And that's not what happened. It was right, there's the mistake, Kugo's missed out in the header. That's the start of it. And as I say... O'Reilly misses a header. That they've gained ten yards. Starfelt should clear it. He doesn't, and then it's basically a battle of the wits between Taylor and Devlin, and Taylor misses out. Mm-hmm. And then you think to yourself, you're then relying on a tremendous save by uh, Joe Hart, which is basically a one-on-one, uh, or you're relying on Tony Ralston being a hundred percent to get mm-hmm. back and, and stop the ball from going into the net. So yeah, that that was the disappointment for me because it was uncharacteristic uncharacteristically soft when you watch it back uh, Martin Key thought Turnbull looked a little off it right I'm, I'm bringing that up because there's a few comments on Turnbull um, Turnbull is never on it these days Stephen McGonagall I don't disagree with these two comments but what I would say in defence of Turnbull is a wee bit like the Yakimakis one JP where where's he going to get that that stride where's he going to get into the rhythm because he's not really getting the minutes is he I think he's become a bit of a full guy, isn't he? People are not fully convinced by him and maybe it goes back to the whole we signed him from another Scottish club, therefore he's not got that kind of pizzazz about him and doesn't get the the sort of um doesn't get the leeway that other players get. I think he did but the thing is he set quite a high bar for himself at the start under Ange Postacoglu where he was he playing at the game and was a mainstay in the side and then when a player kind of goes out of the side and the players that are in his position do well and he comes back in and doesn't quite hit the heights then it's kind of a lot of people tend to think oh well he's he's no use to us get rid of him <laughs> um, which is the harsh nature of um, supporters I suppose but um Maybe he'll get a chance on Saturday to play. He'll be one of the ones that comes in. Say there's two, three changes. Maybe Turnbull comes in. Mm. I mean, Ange Postacoglu clearly likes him. He played I mean, every game, you know, right up yeah, to he's that. he's got a nickname for him, so I don't know that, how much that means. But What is it? The Bull? The Bull. 
is it? Nah, he just calls him the Bill. <laughs> the Bill, brilliant. He played every game under Ange right up to the semi-final against St. Johnson, uh, the mm. League Cup last season. So he was a go-to. And then what happens is by the time he gets fit, O'Reilly and Atati are, are in the team, right? Mm. So it's going to be difficult. And then it's kind of like you're trying to make an impact in the 10 minutes. Or the, it was only yesterday I looked at Yakamakis's the actual minutes that he was getting. Um, yeah, I, I know that he can be an impact striker, Yakamakis, but sometimes 10 minutes is just never going to be enough to let you get yeah. into the game. And I feel a wee bit of that with, with Turnbull, um, leading up to a badder's goal that, again, we can touch on as well. Um, you know, Turnbull's impeded. He's filled. They play, you know, the call play on. and But he did pretty well at that point. But I do get it. I'm just trying to defend some of these guys because it must be hard to, without half a dozen games, to, to get into your rhythm. Uh, here's the thing, Daniel. You'll need to enlighten us on this one because, I don't know about you, GP, I don't have an Instagram yet. But I will, okay? I, I will get an Instagram. Um, uh, apparently, there has been some posts on uh, Yakimakis's Instagram today, mm. and it's not looking good, according to Danielle. So let us know what it is he's saying. Now, I think the last time I got into the Instagram chat was um, Julien, mm. uh, and obviously that ended up with the player leaving. I don't know how I feel about it. About it. I remember also, I think it was last season, I said the first thing that Ange needs to do with Griffiths is ban him from social media, mm. right? And I, I get that players regard themselves as brands, JP, right? I, I get all that, and there's sponsorship and there's engagement, which is massive. And you look at what Rashford has done with his social media uh, platform, etc. So I know that there's positives, but I sometimes feel that the negatives really outweigh it. I really do. And I, and I also feel that that level of engagement you could get that from official club channels. So players could engage via official club channels in a controlled environment. Mm. I, I'm not sure I'm happy with the, you know, finding things out about the future of a player's career or the way they're feeling on the no. socials. No, I don't, I don't like that either. I think I, I get that there's a, a temptation to broadcast everything that you're thinking or doing on social media and a lot of people do that some people just tweet anything that they think you know the, the, the first thing that comes to their head you know if they're feeling up down left right whatever they just they just put it out there and you're like whoa that's a that's a bit much to hear from someone but they just see it as a as a as a space where they can put things out there but then i think when you are someone who has probably got you know, I don't know how many thousand followers that Jack and Marcus has got, but it's a lot. I mean, it was a lot more than you or I uh, could have. And I think when you've got that kind of audience, I think that you need to be a bit more careful with what you do, especially if you're under contract as a football player. I think it's mm -hmm. slightly disrespectful to be putting stuff out. I mean, can you imagine what the Canio and Cadetti's Instagram would have been like? <laughs> back in the day? They would have been... Uh, Going full, full, all guns blazing at Celtic, you know, for their, for their, uh, what you disagreement with what they were doing with regards to their contract. So, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of. It. I, I'm not surprised at all that Julian's Instagram story was deleted almost as soon as it was up. But mm -hmm. it doesn't take much to screenshot something and then put it up, up there, and then everyone knows that it was there, and they kind of end up looking a bit foolish. I just think it lacks a bit of professional. Um, I, I don't. I don't know what it is. It could be. It could be something. I mean, obviously, 
Daniel said that it's something to be concerned about or doesn't look good. So whatever it is, you would expect it to be something that's that's pointing towards negativity or heading out the yeah. door or something yeah. like that. Aye, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a minefield and I don't think that will go down. If he has put something up, I don't think it will go down well with the manager or the club. No, really. it, it won't. It won't go down well with Ange. Um, I mean, whenever he's asked about um, aspects of technology and all this kind of stuff, he always well, I hate it, I, he, yeah. he pins his colours right to the mast about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one because, as I say, I try and look at things and say, right, where's the positives? And, and some of the examples we've used there, there are positives with social media for footballers. Of course, there are, but there are a lot of negatives and when things are going bad and people's in that headspace like you say JP and they're putting something out there it's like what you what are you hoping to achieve from this it's not a good look um, let us know Daniel let us know what uh, Yakimakis is doing said about Scott Robertson was that when he was asked yeah yep absolutely. and they put it to him and said oh, he's been in the papers saying you know he'll be needing to leave and all the rest of it and then Postacogo kind of just went I don't really think he should be in the papers saying that sort of thing, but he, he then went on to kind of confirm that his career at Celtic was probably over. <laughs> I mean, needing between the lines, he didn't say it in black and white as such, but he didn't have to be a genius to figure out that from what he said, it was not looking good for him in terms of his Celtic career. And certainly, having been told by the, by the media that he's been in the media talking about leaving Celtic, I know that's not that's not good for him really, and 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 I don't think Postecoglou was at all happy about having to address that. Just the same way as if someone brings up in the press that ahead of Saturday, they they might bring up the Jack and Marcus Instagram thing. You'll see what he feels about that when he has to speak about that if he does. We're talking about body language um, experts earlier on, and I'll tell you something, you don't have to be an expert to read Angie's body language at times, so he'll make his feelings known. You mentioned a couple of the guys, like you say, if they had Twitter back in the day, your Cadetti and uh, Paolo Di Canio, I think Van Hoydonk would have been up there as well. But um, I I remember a story I was told, JPA, from Tom Campbell, the phenomenal writer of Celtic history. Uh, He wrote The Glory in a Dream. And in the, in the, for the centenary season, uh, the book, which is a fantastic history. And uh, he told me that Tom being Tom, he's actually based in Canada, but he decided, I'm going to go and try and get an interview with Fergus McCann. So he found out where Fergus lived. And um, he went up to this place and he was describing it to me. He was on the side of this kind of mountainous area. And uh, he says, down the bottom, there's, there's actually a tavern. There's a tavern at the bottom of this windy road, which leads up to wherever Fergus McCann's property is, right? He says, and the tavern is called the Three Amigos, right? And he said, he said it crossed his mind. He thought, I wonder if that's where he got the terminology. The pub, down, basically the pub down the bottom of the road, uh, Fergus McCann's is... The three amigos, and of course it was him that uh, called those three players the three amigos. Just while we're uh, taking a wee deviation, I'm going to bring this up. I, I did mention it yesterday, but it's relevant to you, JP, right? Oh yeah. This is one of twelve signed seven-inch vinyl records that were sent to us by Kevin McDermott. It's the Kevin McDermott Orchestra. The song's called "Everything Is Over." They're all signed, by the way, and these were. Uh, I don't think they were released. I think they're promos. Um, the promo uh, singles from 1991 
brilliant gesture by Kevin. He's asked us to include them in our auction, which I'll be working on um, actually next week. There's been a few people asking about that. We've got some great stuff. Going to be putting it up on on eBay. But uh, you bumped into, randomly you bumped into Kevin McDermott, didn't you? Yeah, just in the road, I and uh, Great Western Road, he, he came up and went, uh, oh, you're that laddie for Celtic Statement. Oh, and actually a couple of people, uh, a guy who's been watching uh, for quite a while uh, came into the music hall in Aberdeen the guy called Barry Maguire came in to say hello because he knew I was there and, uh, yeah I recognise so the name yeah he, he, he said that uh, to pass on that he, he really enjoys the show and brilliant watched it for I guess, I guess like a couple of years maybe or a year and a half and then serving a guy last night at the merch desk and he saw the Celtic talk first and he was just like oh uh, he had the score and then he went oh <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, oh God, here we go. Brilliant. No, because like I get slagged for folk noticing or folk recognising me. Like the some of my pals are just like, oh, you're famous in Glasgow, and I'm like, did they do this to be famous in Glasgow? <laughs> just did it to chat rubbish about Celtic. Celtic and a wee inkling of music that is going to be. I've got to say there is going to be a wee bit where we we uh, play at the end of the show, the glory and the dream, and. Um, I have been playing it on repeat, I've got to say, JP, coming in and out of the studio. It takes me about an hour to get in in the morning. At night time, it's a wee bit longer, unfortunately, to get home. And um, every so often on that city bypass, there was this vehicle. I'm not into cars and vehicles, honestly. You know what I mean? As long as it gets me there. So I couldn't tell you what what it is, but it's one of these. It's got this trailer in the back, right? Mm -hmm. And across the back of it, and I've seen it kicking about, whoever whoever owns it has spray-painted in blue spray-paint RFC hashtag number 55, right? And you've got two Union Jacks, seriously, two Union Jacks flailing in the wind. And I've seen it and it's passed me so many times and there's been an occasion or two where I'm just driving along, doing what you do in the morning, uh, listening to podcasts or whatever. And this vehicle has... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, been going at the same pace as me, but on the right-hand lane. And I know who it is, and I don't have a wee look. But the other morning there... 
playing the old glory in the dream, I thought to myself, ah, there he is. There he or she is, two or three cars ahead of me. And I thought it would be interesting just to, like, you know, let them hear the new tune. So I was driving up, and as soon as I got anywhere near, man, you should have seen them darting in and out of lanes to get away from me. It was it was as if they didn't want the, the banter back, you know. Um, so I have been listening to the song uh, on repeat, and it's a grower. I love my music, so do you, JP. And it's one that I think, in time, it kind of gets under your skin. And I think that's down to the kind the changes. So when you do the monologue, when you hear the monologue, and it all the energy comes back down, and then the drum beat comes in as Paul's walking up um, St Mary's mm. uh, up to the altar, and then when the the final choruses come in, and Carly's backing vocals are added to that. It's just it's quite you get a bit of a lift from it. So did the, the original ever get released, or was it unreleased? It was unreleased, and um, I do have the original demo, mm-hmm. which maybe we'll play at some point on one of the shows because I could bring it up and play it. And the original demo written by J.J. Gilmore and Gary John Kane was a, was far more of a, a folk song, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had it in their mind that they wanted Christy Moore to sing it. J.J. Mm-hmm. did, at least. And uh, they were in discussions with Celtic and Kevin Kelly wanted uh, Richard Jobson to sing it. Right. Uh, and J.J., was up for the debate because he certainly wasn't wanting to be the final voice on it. Mm. But obviously it went back and forward to the point where Celtic didn't take it on and it just lay there gathering dust until now. But they took on the Celtic rap instead. They did. They were did. number one without a doubt. Oh, God, I can't remember the lyrics, but it's so bad. It's shocking. So, yeah. It's that Frank McAvaney and you know he's going to score. Oh, it's terrible, man. I mean, see, I, I do remember the Anfield rap, right? So I get why the board are going, wait a minute, that's hot at the moment. Let's go for that and we'll do a rap, right? But come on. I mean, even the pictures on the back of the records, which we've spoken about this before. I bought the records at Falkirk Market, which was behind coasters, right? And on the back, all the Celtic players, like their caps have been turned to the side, which automatically makes them rappers, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just so cheesy. It's terrible. But there was a spate of that in the late 80s because of the Beastie Boys and all that. It was... Absolutely. The Beastie Boys. And remember, there was Morris Minor and the Majors. Now, that's oh, really I do. Good. I do that's remember that. seven-inch singles. Is it? Um, it was the comedian, a guy called Tony Hawks, um, not the skateboarder. There's an English comedian, Tony Hawks, who came up with this novelty single, Stutter. It was Stutter Rap. Oh, I remember it. Morris Minor and the Majors. And it was all that kind of like, you know, wearing the, the chains and I suppose it was like Goldie looking chain before, long before Goldie looking chain. And, and then Run DMC collaborated with Aerosmith as well, so there was a crossover. Yeah, yeah. It just became a kind of fad and obviously Celtic decided to buy into that fad and, and at the expense of what is a really good song, <laughs> which is far more in keeping with the club and what the club's all about. I mean, I could imagine Christy Moore doing that monologue. You know, the. Oh, I could imagine them delivering that. I know, I might ask them. I I will play, I don't have it to hand, but I will play the demo at some point. Now that people know what the song, the vibe of the song is, I will play the demo at some point and you might look at it or, or listen to it rather and think it's a completely different song. It does sound completely Transformed. I mean, Paul and the Wakes and Carly have done a great job, as has, you know, Ross Saunders um, at Glowworm Studios in Glasgow. Brilliant job, everybody involved. And then, of course, um, Icon, the guys who filmed the video at seven o'clock on a cold, don't know, 
Sunday morning or mm. Monday morning, whenever it was. Um, and um, yeah, it is Lawrence Conley who is appearing in the video wearing a Celtic fleece zipper, uh, in case you were wondering. Martin Heaney. Uh, how you doing, Martin? Three points gained, but a poor second half. Yeah, it was. I watched the game in full this morning on Celtic TV, just so that obviously I didn't want to miss anything, JP. And Susan Finlay, you're back in. Best bulletin of the week. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas to you both and all the acts on. Well, hopefully we'll see you, uh, Susan, at Gracie's. I think it's a January gig you're coming along to, so we'll see you then. And Paul Cook, afternoon, Paul and JP. Got to love a Thursday bulletin. We do, we do love it. And um, Kevin Graham, is asking if you're going to beat the Barras tonight. I kind of have to be, Kev. <laughs> I don't have a choice. Uh, I, I, I think the, the common misconception is if you do this sort of thing that you get to see the gigs and everything. I've not seen either of the gigs this week. So I was, in Aberdeen, I was in Aberdeen on Tuesday. The merch stall was in the foyer right next to the doors. So every time somebody went out for a cigarette, doors were opening and then they stay open for like 20 seconds. So all the heat was going out at the receptions. I'm sitting, shiv- it's not glamorous. <laughs> I was like sitting shivering in the reception in Aberdeen Music Hall. Uh, and then uh, last night in Usher Hall, same again, you saw where I was, nowhere, well, next to the gig, but not in the gig. And you can't yeah. just, the whole point of being a merch seller is that you're there the whole time so that if anybody pops out to the bar and decides they want to get a t-shirt or something when there's no queue, then they come over and, and you're there. So I saw four minutes of the gig last night. I mean, it's not like I've not seen Mogwai before, but there's going to be two of us tonight and tomorrow uh, selling, so I'll hopefully get away to see some of the, well, hopefully most of the show tonight at the Barland, because I've never, ever seen Mogwai at the Barland, and um, oh, it's kind of a match made in heaven, really, the two, the, the band and the, and the venue, and they love playing it, So, and I'm sure they've played it a lot, uh, many times. It's just every time they've played it in the past, I've, either been working or been away or something like that so yeah I, I will be there Kev so come and say hello at merch absolutely I've seen them once at the Barras uh, I was talking to my brother last night about this because we tend to go to a gig in December because our birthdays are six mm. days apart and we'll go and uh, as life Wait, gets in the way birthday last Thursday uh, yes was it on the show the 15th yeah I was I but never, I didn't even know or realise. Like people uh, were coming and like I saw some comments going "Happy birthday, Paul," and I was like, "We didn't talk about that at all." I, I don't know how people know it was my. I, I don't count anymore. In fact, I've started counting backwards. Uh, when I hit forty, I've gone back. I'm now thirty six. Minus, so, minus two because of COVID as well. Oh no, I removed the two. I mm-hmm. definitely. But uh, I always used to say to my brother, "We're the same age for six days every year." And in my juvenile mind, I thought that that made you a twin, right? So you're six days a year, you're the same age. So by the time we're 62, we'll have been the same age for a whole year. That that, that blows my mind. Has Daniel, a Mogwai tattoo? He does, ah, he's got it on his forearm. Aye. But by the way, it was me that got him into Mogwai, JP. The the song that they closed the set to last night was the, the first... It was like a single. It was a 12-minute single. It wasn't eligible mm. for the charts. And I remember playing that to my big brother. He was like, nah, not into that. And now he's like their number one fan. <laughs> Daniel F., uh, how many balls did we have to watch get flashed across the six-shad box last night with no takers? The reason I bring this one up is um, it's a good point, first and foremost. Far too many is the answer, of course. But I was talking about this yesterday before the game, JP, right? And sometimes we get too hung up on specifics 
probably when it comes to data and it's like, you know, sometimes the old cliches have been lost. What kind of a striker asked Lawrence, right, we've got Yakimakis, we've got Kyogo, two diff- completely different players and you would think they would be suited to completely different games. Like, for example, Obalaye, I think, put Yakimakis up against them, right? But Kyogo scores a winner, so what do I know? What type of striker do we need? Right, and it's easy to say I uh, just won that you know a fox in the box or a poacher or a six yard. Yeah, it's as simple as that. <laughs> you know, well, yesterday I'm saying Musa Dembele, put, bring back them. But we have brought in players previously, right, who maybe weren't that European standard footballer that we we are striving to to create or bring in. And Scott McDonald came in from Motherwell, scored 32 goals for Celtic. Lee Griffiths comes in, he scores over 100 goals, but in one particular season scores 40 goals because Celtic always make a huge amount of chances, particularly domestically, JP. So the question is, what type of striker is it that we need that's to convert a, these chances? That's a burning question, isn't it? I'm sure Ange mm. Postacoglu is currently uh, figuring out the answer to that. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I, I think Kyogo is a unique type of player. Uh, Jack and Marcus, not so unique, but I think I think he's. I I, I think Jack and Marcus is a good player. There's no there's no question, and obviously there was question marks over him at the start, but we don't really seem to have somebody that is absolutely making the shot their own and and ruling out anybody else getting a, getting a shot. Kyogo obviously scored last night, and I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit by saying, well, guy did his job, he should play again on Saturday. But the Jack and Marcus thing is obviously a case of there's a potential that he wants away and there's nobody really that is being that kind of prolific, you know, a Gary Hooper or a, mm-hmm. or, a or a Larson or there's not that many others that you could rhyme off. I mean, yeah, Scott Hooper's McCall. a good example. Hooper's another good example like that. I mean, I, I really like Gary Hooper, of course, but when, when you look at him coming in, he was prolific, but he was prolific for Scunthorpe and he cost us two and a half million quid. Comes mm-hmm. to Celtic, he becomes a 25 to 30 goal striker. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes um, I, I just think to myself, you can tie yourself up in knots. Uh, we, we need a striker that, that you know, plays a certain way. Somebody last week said, I'll be in a Yeti fits that mold. Ah, but Albion, yeah, he doesn't doesn't score goals and he, he barely runs. Um, mm. and, and I just think that, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of options out there, JP. Back in the day, you would always have, uh, and I know things are changing, but you would always have a, a young kid that you would be reading about every week in the Celtic View, banging in goals, and inevitably they would break into the side. We don't have any of that. We just don't have it at Celtic at the moment. I saw a tweet last night saying there was some kid that had scored a crazy... I don't know if it was a real tweet or if it was... Uh, wrong but I think he was like 14 or 15 and he'd scored some crazy amount of goals in like 100 games or something like that and he was only like 14 or 15 and it was honestly it, was, it, it must have been averaging about 3 or 4 goals a game at whatever level he was playing at but you're right we don't have anybody like that we don't have somebody that's you know that name that's sort of jumping out every week like you said in the Celtic view there was always Mark Burchill was, was a name that everybody was familiar with Aidan McGeady was a name that everybody was familiar with but there was always this chat of oh there's just these guys coming through and yeah we don't I, I don't know why strikers seem to be the position where we don't 
get any joy with. Everywhere else in the park seems to produce, will produce a midfielder every now and then, Cal McGregor will produce a defender every now and then, Kieran Tierney. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, there's not, like you said, there's not been a striker that's come to the fore for a long, long time. Many's a year. Let us know in the comments or indeed underneath the video, who is it we're looking for? Give us some names. And I know we've, we've been linked with um, strikers, but it would be interesting. Um, is the answer already in the squad? Uh, I know Hak Zabanovic, Abada, Maeda, they can all play up top. I've not seen enough to know that if any of them are clinical enough to be scoring the goals. It's been an absolute pleasure, JP. Um, I know that it's been a quick turnaround for, from last night for you, so I really appreciate you being on the show as always. And I'll say it again, I love a Thursday. It's great catching up. Um, we did chat a wee bit about music. We're going to leave you with a wee bit of music at the end of the show. And it is the glory and the dream we rocketed to number 16 in the iTunes chart on the day of release we were number 1 in the rock chart um, but it has kind of started dropping back down the charts can we pull it back up for a strong finish a wee bit like Celtic against Aberdeen at Pataudry I hope so because if we are able to do that then we will inevitably make more money for the charity which is St Mary's in the Calc the birthplace of Celtic I'm going to leave you all with The Wakes featuring Carly Connor and The Glory and the Dream. If you fancy supporting our initiative, then download the track underneath. The link is underneath the video. Stream it on streaming services, on repeat. That's what I've been doing on Spotify. And enjoy the track. All that's left for me to say is once again, JP Mason, thank you for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul.
Many cases of sheer poverty are left unaided through lack of means. A football club will be formed for the maintenance of the dinner tables of our needy children. This feels like heaven. This must be the Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com/internet for details. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.